0: I'm Noel Halsman,
1: and this is Open Concept from Yahoo Finance.
0: Our mission at Canada Running Series is loosely building community through running. So it's to bring everyone together, uh, to provide a platform for the city, the country, the world to come
1: together. That's Alan Brooks, race director of the Canadian Running Series. He organizes some of the country's top races including the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. Today we're talking about how he made the switch from being a university history prof to directing one of the most successful running series in Canada, and how he's watched the racing world transform from a stuffy old boys club to a space for everyone. Alan, thank you so much for coming in this morning. We're really pleased to have you. I'm interested if we could start off first about sort of your your background. You were a history professor before you got into.
0: I was for 10 years. uh, I came to Canada uh, to go to graduate school at the University of New Brunswick and got my doctorate there in Canadian history. And then I taught for one year at UVic. So it was great going from New Brunswick to British Columbia. And then I taught for nine years uh, at the University of Guelph uh, where I really got into the running culture that Guelph has, uh, and I was an associate professor of history there with tenure. Uh, but the running thing was, I think, more interesting to me at the time. I've always loved sports. Uh, it was something that was closer to my passion. So around 1987, 88, I, I uh, resigned my uh associate professorship, gave up the dental plan and the medical plan, and uh, decided that I would uh, try things in the entrepreneurial world. And that was quite an experience. But here, uh, 30 years later, uh, we've had a lot of fun with it and continue to do so.
1: I read that you were a 234 marathoner. Now, for for many people, running a marathon in two hours and thirty-four minutes—if you've never won, run one—that that time may mean nothing. But if you have run them, then that uh, time is exceptionally fast. So, w- were you always a runner, or always a, an extremely fast one?
0: No, not at all. Uh, um, I uh, I played football, soccer uh, uh, in school and you know university undergraduate in the UK and then I came to North America uh, did the the doctorate and started putting on weight and putting on weight. It it was too difficult with grad school to to find a team and get to practice Tuesdays and Thursdays so I I packed on the pounds and uh, so it was time to do something uh, and running was something that was easy to do. You got out the door any time it fit with your hectic schedule. I started running. I ended up at the University of Guelph, and I started going out with the cross-country team. Uh, uh, their ultra-easy day was my eyeballs-out, crazy-hard day, uh, and gradually I got a little bit fitter and and decided to run with some of the the local... Uh, Guelph running club people go to the Ottawa Marathon and that was in 1981 and uh, got the marathon bug and I ran 10 marathons my best as you mentioned was 234 40 so uh, when I decided to leave the university uh, and pursue uh, some sort of career was a bit fuzzy at the time uh, in in running in athletics in sport uh, it was something I was passionate about, uh, and so uh, I think that's a absolutely key essential. When we started out, uh, I opened a running store, Runner's Choice, as well as organizing races, and the two sort of went together uh, in a strategic relationship to build a, a running community where you could get your gear, you could go for training runs a couple of nights a week, Uh, and then maybe get ready for a race. Uh, And we advertised that we were runners in business, not business people into running. And 30 years later, uh, that's still, I think, an interesting um, juxtaposition. Uh, But for me, it was where my passion lay and uh, uh, it was a self-learning process, quite a journey
1: in 1981 was running a sport for the masses you mentioned being at Guelph and, and there has always been a history of elite running at Guelph elite, quasi-elite um, but my understanding is that running was kind of segmented to that sort of demographic or, or is that not the case was it sort of a widely utilized sport
0: well I I, I think that it's interesting we were chatting a little bit before we went on the air and all about belonging. And I often in broad strokes talk about how running has changed and the running community has changed in the thirty years that, that I've been part of it. But but to answer your question, Noel, I think initially we've all read about running booms. But in the first phase, the 70s, the 80s, and and on, there was a running community, and if people were really nice to us, if they could run a marathon, say, under three hours, it was worth getting changed for, and there were the various rules, the badges of honor, and if people were really nice, we'd let them into the running community. And then in the 1990s, along came John the Penguin Bingham. uh, Waddle on. Uh, John Stanton with uh, uh, why run all the way when you can run for 10 minutes and walk for a minute and make it more comfortable. Jeff Galloway with the same kind of program. But it was the same kind of concept that these new champions were fighting to broaden the parameters of who could belong to the running club. And now they wanted joggers in, Uh, maybe even people who walked a bit and ran a bit, but it was still the running community. And I think two things that have changed most for me in the last 10 years is now I see it's strongly a millennial world, And if we're really nice to millennials, they'll give running a place in their world, along with yoga, uh, along with uh, an interest in sustainability, in good coffee, in good craft beer, uh, more bicycle lanes. Uh, And so the coin has totally flipped, uh, and we really had to become much better business people because... I think the market has obviously exploded for wellness, for healthy lifestyle. Uh, it's become bigger and bigger and bigger and continues to do so. But it's, it's more fragmented uh, that way uh, rather than that core group of people running and they were looked on as crazy people running around the city in their underwear on a Sunday morning. Uh, so the industry... It is an industry now, and it's become much more professional.
1: The things like Tough Mudders, all of that, we had a couple of years ago, we saw a real boom in those kinds of events. Now, I I don't see an equivalence between a Tough Mudder and something like the Scotia Waterfront Marathon, but I know people have gravitated to them and see them as a sort of viable fitness event option. How much did those kind of events impact or influence your, your thinking, your organization, your business model?
0: What, what's happened, I think, is it comes back to this experience. People want an emotional experience, a fun experience with their friends, a meetup. And so whether it's hula hoops or frisbees or color runs or Tough Mudders or Spartan runs, It's an indication of how running in some way, shape, or form continues to grow, continues to have all kinds of different variations to it. Uh, And that's the wonderful flexibility of the sport. I think a city marathon, again, is something that reflects that city. So the Boston Marathon is Boston, is Boston strong. And that's what we continue to strive to build. And I think we have made some progress. There's always gonna be a New York City Marathon. There's always, we hope, going to be a Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon. But something like Color Run or a Mud Run, it will provide a fun, exciting way, place, space, emotional experience, fun meetup with your friends to take your running fitness too.
1: Coming up next, how road races can help a city build its identity and how the sport brings people together. The logistics piece is obviously huge. And you need the city on board, and 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 I know one of the challenges is that if you if there was just you and the Canadian Running Series operating in isolation, and then that would be f- fairly seamless, right? You could have your race schedule for the year, but we know that's not the case in Toronto. There are other interests that are looking to stage races. How do you convince the city? To, to prioritize your races or, or to manage all of the expectations that surround the runners and yet the traffic patterns of people who aren't necessarily as keen on the races as the people participating?
0: Well, I, I think races, especially city races, are something that are, uh, on the one hand, a reflection of the city, culture, the, the values, uh, are really a, a flagship just like having a great symphony or having a great opera, they, they represent the city. So I, I think that the city, with a capital C, and all its agencies are looking for events and festivals, be it whether it be TIFF, whether it be Caribbean Carnival, whether it be Scotiabank, Toronto Waterfront Marathon, that will put the city on the world stage and show the city at its best. So we are the only running event in the city, for example, that has a live stream broadcast. And that live stream broadcast was watched by over 45,000 people in 146 countries this year there are people watching it on reunion island in the palestine territories uh everywhere you you know there are only 200 countries approximately in the world uh, and three quarters of them were watching toronto on october the 21st the other thing is the level of organization uh i think the city We've had the bank too, Scotiabank, been an incredible partner for 22 years now. Um, And both the sponsor and the city want to see their reputation enhanced. They don't want to see problems. And as I mentioned, I think the biggest thing that I've seen in my 30 years is the transition to professional organisation. In the old days, we were amateurs as race organizers. Got a couple of the lads, a couple of trucks, threw some cones in the back, got something out of Fred's garage, and out we went, and boom. Every race, something happened that you didn't expect. It was just, you know, where the mole was going to pop up at the fairground, uh, and you were going to have to whack it down, and then a mole would pop up somewhere else. Uh, Scotia-Toronto Waterfront Marathon, I believe, is the only festival or event in the city of Toronto with a command centre. Uh, and that means uh, it is uh, an event operational command centre that includes our dispatchers who cro- control nine different areas of the start, finish, the venue, the course, Uh every minute of the day from like 3 a.m. till 8 p.m. is um, uh, in a production schedule so that the start line uh, dispatch can uh, it's uh, start start do you copy uh, on the radio so it's not just about Being there for emergencies, if something happens, an incident happens on the course, we're all in the same room and can make one decision whether the race has to be cancelled or rerouted or whatever, Uh, but it's an efficiency thing. We've been doing this for four years now, and the first year we reopened the course 45 minutes faster than we'd ever done before because everyone was in the same room, the TTC, the police, our crew... And we could all work together to to get the roads reopened, boom, boom, boom. So I think that's been the biggest difference for me between amateur races and professional races. Professional races today have that command center, and they're run like, you know, a military operation. Uh, and that, I think gives the city the police all of the agencies the confidence that they want to work with us uh, as its leading edge in North America um, to do this this kind of event management so hopefully we will continue to collaborate with the city who are a marvelous partner and uh, a successful marathon really does belong to the city belong to the community so it needs all of us working together to make that happen we can't do it on our own there there are
1: there are so many logistics involved and and i know things can crop up i was in boston uh a number of years ago uh, when there was the the bombing that's the worst case scenario but two years ago montreal had to cancel their full marathon because of the heat now they did it a couple of days in advance in those situations, where does the responsibility lie in terms of decision-making, whether it's a day or two before the race or on race day where a hard decision needs to get made that's going to impact you know, literally thousands and thousands of people? Sure. Well,
0: I think to have a successful marathon, you're using 42 kilometers of roadway in the city that you're in, wherever that is, It has to be a successful collaboration between the event organizers and the city and their agencies and the sponsor partners uh, who also have a lot invested. But you would sit down, we would all sit down and and the city would express their concerns, the event would express their concerns, the sponsor, certainly the title sponsor, and and we'd come uh, using measurable guidelines for example on the weather and particularly the humidity and the dew point Uh, uh, there is a whole safety scheme Uh, so it's a joint thing just like putting the thing on
1: the issue of innovation uh clearly that that command center is an example of innovation the communication that happens presumably the communication on race day between all of the key stakeholders but what other sort of Examples of innovation are are you looking at uh, from a race director's perspective?
0: Well, our mission at Canada Running Series is loosely building community through running. So it's to bring everyone together uh, to provide a platform for the, the city, the country, the world to come together uh, and build communities that care. Uh, communities that look after each other, that are sustainable. But our twin pillars are organization that we've just chatted about quite a a bit, and the other is innovation. And not just innovation in the organizational component, but in the experience. And a couple of weeks ago, I read a a study that was done in Poland of why people enter half marathons and marathons today and it was mostly millennial focused I guess and uh, number one was wanting to belong to a community and whether it's that old running community follow the rules and we'll let you in or the new community uh, that remains a factor the other uh, uh, key item was the emotion the adrenaline of the experience that people enter half marathons or marathons uh, and you go to New York City and you get a million people out on the street screaming your name cause it's on your bib number or your shirt or something and you feel good. You feel like an Olympic champion. Uh, so uh, we have worked very hard uh, over the development of our, our events to try and continuously enhance that emotional experience. Uh, about 25% of our runners in the Scotia Toronto Waterfront Marathon are running for a cause in the Scotia Bank Charity Challenge, and that can be an enormously emotional experience, finishing your first marathon or 5K in memory of someone or... Uh, to, to support a neighborhood-based community project that improves the space that we all want to live in.
1: Well, uh, on that note, uh, inspiration for us all, certainly for me. Alan, thank you so much for coming in today. We're really uh, uh, appreciative of your time and glad an opportun- we had an opportunity to speak with you.
0: My pleasure. Thank you, Noel.
1: Thanks. That was Alan Brooks, race director of the Canadian Running Series. That's it for this week. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or your favorite listening app, and leave us a review. This episode was produced by Ali Janes and Amit Mayan. I'm Noel Halsman. Thank you very much.